0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. (laughs) Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first 5 to 10 plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness, here on Raider Nation Radio 920.
1: Big hole, first down, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown Raiders! Would you believe it?
0: This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
2: And here we are Raider Nation, another couple hours, get to talk to you, get to... Let you know what we were able to see today at OTAs. It was a great afternoon being at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And I'll tell you right now, I know it's only June 2nd, but boy, the temperature is already heating up. We're going to have to figure out a little. It's funny, I like to go to the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. I like to look professional. You know, I got the college shirt on, got the khakis on and everything. But look, man. Pretty soon, I'm gonna have to just go ahead and dumb it down a little bit. Pretty soon, I'm just gonna have to go and pull it to Sean Reed today. Today, to Sean Reed from the Athletic, uh, Demond, you would have been very proud of this. And Demond's back in our home studio, the the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm at my home studio, just coming away from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. And I'll tell you, to Sean Reed had a had a cut off shirt like you're about to, like you're out there at the hoop court. Uh, you know, he had the guns showing. He had the shorts on. He was ready for the moment, which was the heat. And it's only June 2nd. It's only going to get hotter. So uh, I'm going to have to take a few tips from from uh, Tashan. I'm going to take a few tips from my man, Damon, And I'm going to have to have a change of clothes or something in the car when we leave practice. Because, man, it's starting to heat up. in training camp, I can only imagine the middle of summer how blazing hot it's going to be. But, man, I'll tell you. Similar to last week, very excited just to be back out there, check out some football activities, get a good look at the offensive line, get a good look at the defensive backfield, get a good look at the wide receiver drills. We were able to actually film a few drills, so I got a couple more videos in than I was able to last week and was able to tweet them out. Uh, at your boy Q254, and of course, at R&R 920 AM, was also able to put some of that out there, and then be able to talk to different coaches and different players. As a matter of fact, I believe that's still going on, but Coach Carmen Brasillo, the Offensive line coach, he talked to the media. Coach Frank Ocam, the defensive line coach, I'm very familiar with him with his time at Baylor, also his time with the uh, the Carolina Panthers and, uh, and Coach Matt Rule. Chandler Jones, defensive lineman, Nate Hobbs, cornerback, Hunter Renfro wide receiver, and John Abram. The safety is still, I still believe, is scheduled to talk to the media. But, yeah, it was a very busy day at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and I will say this, side note, it wasn't as busy as it was last Thursday when there was so many people there anticipating to hear something about, a certain quarterback that had came in for a visit the day before so you could tell that the effect of that one certain quarterback no only need to say his name uh, was was not there today so there was a lot less media members there but it was still a pretty packed house matter of fact I had to sit next to the snacks uh, you know so there was still a pretty pretty packed house but that's okay. You know, it's good to see a lot of folks excited about the upcoming season and like to see what the new regime has going on. And like I said, man, just pumped up. Just get that natural energy and that good feel when you know you're out there, you see the players out there on the grass, and you see them out there putting in the work. So we were able to do that. And Of course, we'll have a full recap of that throughout the course of the next couple hours here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas. He, he's a part of Cofield & Company. He's going to join us at 2.30 as he did last week to give us his thoughts of what he saw out there as I was paying attention a lot. I mean, I had my eyes, you know, they say that I spy and then they say something pretty funny or they say something that rhymes. I was spying the offensive line in a major way. I really was. And I'll tell you right now, Alex Leatherwood saw him a lot at right tackle. And, and that's something that's obviously going to be a storyline throughout the course of the, the off season and, and uh, the workouts that they're doing with the OTAs, mandatory minicamp coming up. And then, of course, the final segment of uh, OTAs before they break for the summer and then come back for training camp. That's going to be a storyline. Uh, of course, everyone's still anticipating or, or wondering if the Raiders are going to go out and make a move for a veteran uh, right tackle or not. But I saw Alex Leatherwood getting a lot of burn at the right tackle position earlier today. Uh, also saw rookie Dylan Parham. Getting some burn at both guard and center, something that we talked about quite a bit. And we all know, we all know, it's been told to us from the very jump that all the interior offensive linemen are all going to be cross-trained. All the offensive linemen are going to be cross-trained, so in a pinch, they have a guy that they can go to. And actually, Coach Priscillo, he actually, uh, he actually broke it down pretty well after practice and talked about why they do that cross-training. Uh, so we might be able to hear from that, or hear from him uh, on that in, in just a little bit, but. Just uh, like I said, an interesting day out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. It was a lot of fun to be out at Raiders HQ. So Adam Hill, he'll join us at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, I'm anticipating playing uh, one of the players that spoke to the media. I'm thinking Nate Hobbs. But it might be Hunter Renfro. I'm still trying to decide. I'm not too sure yet. Both of them have been wrapped up. But uh, for anyone who didn't get an opportunity, I know Chandler Jones, Harry Ruiz, who did a great job filling in for JT the Brick, and he'll be back again tomorrow. I know he played Chandler Jones. He also uh, played Coach Brasillo, the offensive line coach. So he played those two sound, those two, um, you know, two, well, coach and player. He was able to get those in. So I believe that I'll have uh, a coach. I'm thinking Coach Frank Ocam. Uh, because you don't hear from the defensive line coach that often. I think we'll play him, and then coming up at 3 o'clock, I believe we'll have Nate Hobbs, but maybe we'll make a decision by that time to go to Hunter Renfro. So just anticipate one player you'll hear about 3 o'clock. And then at 3.30, Matt Holder from silverandblackpride.com. He's going to join the show. He actually did a pretty good interview with Darren Waller yesterday. and put it out in podcast form today, and it was getting a lot of burn uh, on social media. A lot of people were talking about it. A couple people tweeted at me, hey, Q, have you got this yet? And I said, no, I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, You know, I I do anticipate it. So I thought, why not have Matt on to talk about his his conversation with Darren Waller and what he learned and what, you know, what the vibe he received while he was interviewing Darren Waller because it's one thing. As a guy who interviews a lot of players and a lot of different people, it's one thing to hear the interview; it's another thing to do the interview because you get a certain vibe from someone. You can kind of feel if they're being real short, if they're you know, if they're opening up to you. And, and Demond, you're back in the home studio. You have an idea because you do a lot of interviews. Matter of fact, you had your your edition of the fight game today earlier on our sister station, 12:30 a.m. The game, and I know you had a really good uh or 12:30 a.m. I know you had a really good uh, interviews on your show as well, but it's just a different feel when you're actually doing the interview as opposed to just listening to it.
3: Oh, of course, and especially when you have those players When some people, congrats to the media relations folks, but sometimes they are so tight when it comes to not saying anything controversial or the wrong thing, and you're just trying to find something interesting, and sometimes they just won't give it to you. Right. It's straight by the book. So it is when you you that's when you have those best interviews. I remember Shakur Stevenson, um, lightweight title titleist and you know in boxing, he said, Hey man, I like your interview style. And that meant the world to me. You know, so when you are out there, you're having those interviews, you're talking to you're talking to players and athletes in whatever sport it is, when you can get a good one, you know it immediately. And like you said, there's a difference between listening. And actually performing those interviews. Because sometimes when I do an interview, I think in my head, I want to be Al Michaels. I want to be Bob Costas. I want to be Jim Lampley. Sometimes when you when you watch the shows or you listen to people interviewing, you're like, man, these guys, it comes second nature to them. It's so fluid. But then sometimes you have those interviews and you're like, hey, I'm not that guy. It wasn't flowing. They, <laughs> they didn't really respond to my questions. But one thing about Darren Waller is that he is good. Vinny had him on In the Huddle a few weeks ago. And he was able to just come on the show he's you know he spoke freely. Darren Waller, he's very good when it comes to giving you giving you something in interviews. So I like it when Darren Waller Darren Waller, he's a great interview, so sometimes it's about getting pulling something out, but Darren Waller he's always going to give you something to glom onto.
2: Yeah, no, he definitely will and I'll just tell you right now, I'll be a hundred percent transparent. We just had an absolute like power surge at the house. <laughs> An uh, absolute power surge just happened, Raider Nation. I mean, this is the effect of live radio. That was the most bizarre thing I ever heard. Devon, I don't know what you heard in your ears, but all of a sudden I heard a zzzz. And I was like, wait, what in the hell is going on? And I looked down, and, like, my, my unit here, my, my comrade's unit, all of a sudden it, it, it started to blink. And I looked, and then all of a sudden the TV on the wall started to blink. So I don't know if it's the heat or what. And that happens every once in a while where you'll get a quick little power surge. But then it, it, it blinked off. And then it popped right back on. But by that time, it disconnected me. So I apologize for that. And that's why I need to be in the studio, right? That's exactly why I need to be in the home studio. I
3: started looking at the board, and (laughs) I I thought that maybe the power here went out. And I'm like, no, I can still hear myself in my ear. And I look over, and you're disappearing from the screen in our um, Google Meet chat here. And I was just like, where'd Q go? And then it's like, oh. Guess I'm going to keep talking about an interviewing style then. Here we go.
2: Hey, and that's the way to pick it up, man. Sometimes you have to do that. So uh, I'm glad I'm back rocking with you, though. So uh, those are the guests that we have coming up on the show today. Adam Hill from the RJ, also ESPN Las Vegas, will join us at 2.30. And then Matt Holder, silverandblackpride.com, will join us at 3.30. You'll hear Nate Hobbs or Hunter Renfro at 3 o'clock. But let's go ahead now and jump into the opening drive.
0: The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced
2: Silverado ever. And so I mentioned a couple different coaches were able to talk to the the media today, offensive line coach and defensive line coach. I think we'll go ahead and jump into... Coach Frank Ocam. And the reason is because I covered him while he was at Baylor. He was a defensive line coach. Matt Rule brought him in. He's a former UT defensive lineman, played in the NFL. And if you heard Chandler Jones on Harry Ruiz show, then you'll know that it's different when a former player is coaching that position because they know terminology. They know what they're looking for. Brenton Buckner was a great example of that. Coach Buck, remember when he was a member of the Silver and Black defensive line coach before they brought in Rod Marinelli? And it's just different when a guy who's been there, done that, is playing in that role. And so – Frank Okam, man, he's got some good skins on the wall. It's funny because you'll hear him talk about Chandler Jones and the fact that Chandler Jones has had more success in the league than Frank Ocam did, even though he was a very successful player. So uh, I'm very familiar with Frank. It was great to see him roll out and, and actually get to talk to the media. He's a guy that you're not going to hear from very often. And so with that, let's go ahead and jump into what Coach Frank Okam had to say
4: earlier today.
5: What are you looking for the guys to do at this point of, of development, at this point of the offseason, or what are you looking for the guys to do?
4: Well, really right now, it's just about really learning the system, just trying to get guys acclimated, understanding what Coach Graham's trying to teach the guys and just getting them comfortable uh, playing the defense and, and trying to get some technical things improved.
3: Hey, Frank, it's Ree from The Athletic. Uh I know, last year was your first first time being a awesome defensive line coach in the NFL. Uh, what led this offseason kind of to you making the transition over coming with the Raiders?
4: What led to it? Yeah. Just opportunity. You know, in, in this profession, it's about, you know, who you know, who you can connect with. Um, anytime you can come to a story program like the the Las Vegas Raiders and the Raider name, it's something that could really help you as an individual and something that, you know, when you get a chance to do, you just kind of have to jump at it and try to take advantage of it.
2: Coach, to be able to step in and have a Max Crosby and a Chandler Jones, how much does that help you sleep at night knowing you already got that to a couple of bookends?
4: You know, those are really two talented players, and what's even better is they're better people. And so what you get from those guys, they, they offer great leadership to the young guys, players trying to figure out what it means to be a pro. So having them in the locker room and in the meeting room every single day, offering wisdom, offering advice, offering a physical example to the young players has been something that's special.
1: Frank willard with the Associated Press. That being said, a lot of times you hear coaches say they can learn a lot from the veteran players as much as players can learn. What have you learned just in the short time from Chandler Jones and that you're seeing him? in dealing with the players and the coaching
4: staff? You know, as a former player, you have to remember in the NFL that you, we're co-workers. And so, for me, I always like to pick the brain of someone who has 100-plus sacks because that's something I never did in my own career. So anytime you can get some, some lessons from the way they see the game, coaching points, film study points, anything to help those guys, young guys acclimate to the game faster, I'm all ears. I have no ego in this game. I'm just trying to help the Raiders win football games.
1: Frank, how, how much, when it comes to Chandler, and it's been early obviously, but how much does he still have left in the tank?
4: You know, this, like I said, he's a true professional. And when you, if, you, if you guys have been out there, you see how hard he's running to the ball. He's leading, by example, with this effort. And I think that's the thing that is a, is a testament to his longevity and his career and why he's been so successful for this long amount of time.
3: Coach Levi the Las Vegas Raiders, going through the draft evaluation process, what were some of the things that you liked when you saw Neil Farrell and Matthew Butler that led to those picks?
4: You know, when you look and you're trying to evaluate, there's a lot of guys you're going through, but ultimately for those guys, I mean, they're big bodies, they're strong bodies, and they're athletic bodies. And so when you're evaluating defensive linemen in this scheme, all you're really trying to get is guys that can play the run well, press the quarterback, collapse the pocket, and those guys provide that kind of value.
0: Great, pretty much with the Review Journal. This is a 4-3 team the last three or four years, making the transition to, to a 3-4. Is that a big...
4: Uh, challenge or do we make a little bit too much out of that would you say? You know you know, listening and talking to Coach Graham and his philosophy you know this, this league really is a sub defense and so all that really matters is if you got some guys that can rush the passer and some guys that can stop the run and so we'll be doing a lot of different things up front and just trying to find the best matchups for us to be successful.
5: I want specifically on that how much does like a Max Crosby role change in this? What, what, I mean obviously his role is to get after the passer earlier. That's what he wants to do but the different looks, the different lineups how will he kind of adjust what
4: he does you know that's really probably more game plan and probably closer when you get to the season but that's right now we're just trying to make sure the guys know as many positions as possible and play different techniques as well as they possibly can right now in the spring that's really what we're trying to get done right now
3: Frank, you guys added a lot of defensive tackles this offseason between the draft and free agency. What's the competition out there been like so far?
4: It's been great. I mean, honestly, that's, that's the thing that kind of drives the NFL. It's like you got to earn your right to have your job and when the regular season starts. And so obviously when you're looking whether you got the young guys or some veterans in the room, that they can fill the numbers in the room and know it's not going to be like that when we get to the final 53. So that makes uh, the meetings go a little bit better, the focus better, and the competition in practice even better. And that's really what you're looking for each and every, every day
0: when you're getting ready to come like you said a a program like like the raiders do you reach out to other guys that have been here like maybe even a college teammate like michael huff to see what this organization is all about
4: well yeah i mean obviously i got to play against this organization back in the day and and, you know you kind of know what that feels like but anytime you know even from my short time here this is a first class organization you know they do things the right way here and I think that starts from the leadership all the way down. So with the leadership and the head coach, the, the message and the and the image that Coach McDaniels wants to put out, the way Coach Graham wants to run his defense and styles, it's easier to fall in line here and just get the job done. And, I mean, we're just trying to find ways to, to win some football games. What's, what's the adjustment been
0: like to Las Vegas for you?
4: The heat. That was, you know, it's, it's dry. You know, I'm from Texas, so I'm used to the humidity, but the the dryness of the heat is, has been a huge adjustment, you know, not sweating. And for me stepping on the scale and all of a sudden you, you dropped about 10 pounds in one practice so that's a little bit of adjustment you've got to stay hydrated as, as denzel always says so that that's for real out here Frank, josh and um
0: and, and patrick have talked about Cleve farrell maybe using him a little bit differently than he has in the past maybe that'll be better for him um, from what you've seen so far of him a has he been receptive to that And b is there a niche somewhere for him
4: you know, when you, when you have somebody as big and athletic as him, all you really try to do is get him confident as possible so he can play as many positions as possible. And, and what I've seen so far from the spring is that he's been respect, receptive, he's been all ears, and he's been eager, and he's been playing with really great effort. And that's really where we're the foundation. You guys all set? Okay. Thank you, everyone. Coach, thank you, thank you.
2: So there he goes right there, defensive line coach Frank Ocam. New to the Raiders, uh, obviously their coaching staff hired by Josh McDaniels and Patrick Graham uh, to be the leader of that defensive line, you know, and get this, uh, get Max Crosby, get Chandler Jones, get everyone who's going to be on the interior of that defensive line. You know, they got a lot of options there, as you heard Sean Reed point out. He's uh, got a lot of competition. That's all you could ever ask for, right? A ton of competition. The competition is going to make everyone a whole lot better. So we'll concentrate on the defense today here on Unnecessary Roughness. So coming up at 3 o'clock, you'll hear from Nate Hobbs. And as a matter of fact, I had a question that I wanted to throw out there, a little show topic that I like to bring to the show each and every day. Sticking with the defensive theme, what are your reasonable expectations when it comes to the defense, when it comes to more specifically even turnovers for the Raiders' defense? I think we all have established the fact that they need to create find a way to create a lot more turnovers than they did a year ago, and even more than they've done over the past few years. But let's just go back to 2021. We've talked about their interceptions. Eric Allen talked to the, about the interceptions with me. Six interceptions in 2021 is not enough. 17 fumbles forced and nine recovered. That was it. Six interceptions and nine fumble recoveries is what the Raiders had a season ago. So in your opinion, what are the reasonable expectations for the defense? Where do you think this defense needs to go? How do, they, how do they need to rank? I mean, I hate to just put a number on it, but what are your kind of expectations? What are your thoughts when you think of this Raiders defense? What is the task for Patrick Graham? What does he need to do? Because I think, and I've said it multiple times, I know statistically the Raiders defense wasn't great, including their turnover numbers that I just pointed out. It wasn't great, but it gave them a chance. I think that this offense that the Raiders are going to have is going to be a lot better as long as that offensive line is where it needs to be. So I think the big key to this defense, or to this team is going to be how how well can the, the defense play? How much can they keep them close in a game where they may be behind? Can they get a stop or two when they need to? Can they get down into the red zone and force a field goal instead of a touchdown? What are your reasonable? Again, I, I emphasize the word reasonable because sometimes it's just not reasonable. Sometimes it's like, got to be a top five defense. And Look, man, I'm not asking for that. I'm not asking you to build Rome overnight. You know what I mean? I mean, you've got to take steps. I think the defense last season took a step. And I I feel like they have plenty of talent on the defensive side of things to continue to take steps. So what are your reasonable expectations? Let me put it out there like this. I, I, I talked about the turnovers already that they had in 2021. Six interceptions and nine fumbles recovered. They forced 17 fumbles, but they only recovered nine of them. Opposing teams were 21 for 29 on fourth down. When you fail on fourth down, that's a turnover in my book as well. But they, other teams were successful 72% of the time on fourth down against the Raiders defense. So I just want to throw those few numbers out there at you just so you can you know, get an idea of the turnovers. But I really want specifically the defense and the turnovers. What do you think that they should do? That's the Rare Nation listener line. Of course, the Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. And as far as turnovers go, I'll start. As far as turnovers go, I think that they have to have – they had six interceptions. I'll say that they really need to get around 12 to 15. Like, I don't want to be crazy. Eric Allen said that every year he went into camp, his defensive coordinator said 20 interceptions. I'm not going to ask for 20 because they only had six last year. So I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to sit there and beg and say, hey, you know, they've got to have – got to go shoot for the moon, you know, but they do need to take a step. And, look, 15, 12 to 15, that's doubling what they did. That's more than doubling. So I'll say that any, anywhere from 12 to 15 interceptions, probably, you know, 12 to 15 fumble recoveries, but that defense and, – and, you know, we always say, well, as long as it's middle of the pack, they can win a lot of games. I'll, I'll say – Oh man, I hate doing rankings. I hate to say just a number, but I think that I think it has to be at least at least around twenty. I mean, you know, again, middle of the pack would be fantastic. I think we've been calling for middle of the pack for a long time. More importantly, not really the the number of the defense. It's really you know points per game. You know, if you're going to give up twenty eight points a game, I think you need to shave at least. I would say, like, a, a, a touchdown, but at least a field goal off of that. If you're going to give up 30 points a game, you need to shave off a, a touchdown. You know what I mean? If you're going to give up 30, you need to be hovering around 23. That's really probably the ideal number. About 23 to 24 points a game is what this defense should be allowed to give up because if the Raiders and the offense that I believe they're going to have only gives up 24 points a game, I think they're going to win a lot of games.
3: Yeah, Q, to give out some more numbers there, when it comes to turnover d- differential for the whole team, the Raiders ranked in the bottom five of the league at minus nine. Right. Interceptions last in the league with six. Total Takeaways, they were also in the bottom three. And these aren't analytics. These are just pure numbers that says these, that this are, team, facts. Yeah, these are facts that right. the team's got to get better because you say 15, that would be double. But also those total takeaways and the teams that are in the top differential for the entire team, offense and defense, when it comes to turnovers, right. those are all playoff teams. Right. And I know that the Raiders made the playoffs, but sometimes you could just look and say, hey, teams that take the ball away and teams that don't give the ball away, those are going to be good teams.
2: Facts. Facts. And if you create turnovers, then, one, you're stopping the other team from scoring. You know what I mean? If you're getting the ball back, then the other team ain't scoring. So that's already a win right there. But you're also giving your high-potent offense, you're giving them an opportunity to score again. You know, and the Raiders, one thing that they did very, very well, and they've done this for a while, is they're really good at scoring you know, in the two-minute offense, right before halftime, you know, if, if, if Derek Carr gets the ball late and, and it's close, he has an opportunity to score. I really feel confident about the team and the direction that they go when they're in those moments. So if you can create a turnover and make a short field, that's just going to give the Raiders that, that much more of an opportunity to score and, and put some more points on the board. And that's what it's all about. You know, they, they didn't have a defensive touchdown at all last season. Not one. Not one. They had an opportunity to. I hate to keep on bringing up the Washington game. They had. Was that the game? The 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 uh, fumble recovery that it was early in the game. Was that? I think that was Washington. No, I wasn't. No, it was Cincinnati. It was Cincinnati. Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati. Yeah. And uh, what? Dallin Levitt picked it up and ran the wrong way. Yeah. And Casey Hayward was pointing like, "Where are you going? I'm right here. I'm your blocker. I'm right here." And he ran back to all the wash. It's like. There was a safe zone right there. It's like a kid playing tag. There was the, there was the wall where you could press it and, 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 or put your hand on the wall and be safe, or you could run back into all the traffic. Well, Levitt ran back into all the traffic, and he wasn't safe, and, and they only scored a field goal.
3: And for that game, that was one, like, just, like, looking back at it. I know you can't say, oh, just one play, but I'm convinced. If they score that touchdown right there, the game may be different.
2: Right, I agree. I agree 100, you know, and, and there were games like that, man, in the Washington game. I could point that out when Trayvon Merrick dropped the interception at the end of the game. That was a pick six and they didn't even need a pick six. They were winning. Remember at the time they were winning. All they had to do was secure the, the interception, and, and boom, game's over. Game, set, match. I remember my mom had texted me in that game. was like, hey, uh, are the Raiders going to pull this one off, or are they going to lose? And I was like, hey, you know, the way the defense is giving up these uh, yards, I feel like the def- they're going to lose unless they come up with a turnover. And it was right there in Merrick's hands, and it, it, it just fell to the turf. I mean, he was thinking about that end zone before he was thinking about making the catch. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really where I want to go. I want to continue to focus on the defense uh, throughout the course of today's show and get your thoughts on where do you think reasonably – where this defense should rank. Tell me about the turnovers. What kind of turnovers do you think that they should have? Because, again, if you create a turnover, you're giving your offense another opportunity. Got a text from the 707 on our Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r The defense is only going to go as far as the pass rush takes them. If they can get 50 sacks or more, their turnovers will come and the offense will get more chances to score. That's from the 707. I'll say this. And there's always been that conversation. You know, it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, it's, it's like you can always have that argument. You can say that the defense is only going to go as far as the pass rush is going to take them, or you can say the pass rush is going to be complimented because the DBs are able to shut down. You know what I mean? But I know that they go hand in hand, and I agree 100%, so I'm not disagreeing with that text. But it's it, those two units in particular – the corners and the defensive line, they go so much hand-in-hand. Hand. If you have solid corners, your defensive line is going to get more time to get to the quarterback. And if you have great edge rushers like Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, then your corners are going to have a better opportunity or shorter time of, that they have to cover for. So, you know what I mean? Like those two, they definitely go together. So I, I like where you're going there. 50 sacks they had, what, 35 a year ago? That would be, that would be 15 more sacks. So to me, if you get 10, 10 plus from Max – you get 10-plus from Chandler, you've got, you're, you're looking for 30, 30 more sacks somewhere along that team. I mean, that's, that's how I break it down because I feel like you're, you, you could go ahead and pencil in 10-plus from Max. I feel pretty confident about saying you're going to get 10-plus from Chandler as long as they're healthy throughout the course of the year. You know I mean, of course, we can never predict health, but then where's the other 30 coming from? You know, I'm sure you get some coverage sacks. You might get a couple corner blitzes. You might get some linebackers to get some, some sacks. Of course, you have some rotational pieces, you know, like a Malcolm Koontz. But you also need to get some push from the interior. So maybe, you know, a lot of folks have talked about bringing in Dominican Sue. That was what? What did he have last year? Six? Six and a half? Six. That's two that's years a, in a row. That's a pretty healthy number. So if you're looking for 30 more and you can bring in a guy that you feel pretty good is going to give you at least five, then now you're looking for 25 more. So that's to the Texter credit saying 50 sacks. If you can get 50 sacks, I feel really confident. DeMond, you're really good with numbers. Then we'll take a break and get to Adam Hill. You're really good with the numbers. Where would, a, where would 50 sacks have been ranked as far as last year's defenses go? I mean, the Raiders, I know, like I said, had 35. But where would, a 50, where would 50 have got them if you have it? If you don't, we can come back with it.
3: I think I can just pull this one off the top of my head. That would have at least been um, top – Three, because only two teams had 50 sacks last season.
2: Okay, so that's a tall task then. There you go. Everyone's not just going ahead and pulling 50. So maybe, maybe instead, of, uh, instead of trying to sprint, we need to run, you know, get a little jog in. Maybe we need to get a, a slow lather. Okay, if they were at 35, how about we uh, split the difference and say 42? How about that? Around 42. If they had 35, increase it by 7. And if you're going to increase it by 7, then you have to go back and look at the turnovers and increase them a little bit. Not a lot. Again, If they had six interceptions, how about 10? If they had nine fumble recovers, how about 12?
3: Yeah, real quick, um, that would have ranked 11th last season if they get 42. Okay. Yeah, so that would have been,
2: you know. That would have been good.
3: Outside looking in by one because the other teams tied for 10th only had 43.
2: Boom. There it is. That's our guy, DeMar Cotton, the statistician. The statistician. That's what it is. Statistician. I have to give you an extra letter or two for that. That's good stuff, man. Definitely appreciate your fine work in the the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio 228 is the time. Want to hear from you Raider Nation, of course, hit us up on the Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R Coming up next, my guy Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas He'll join us to talk about what he saw at OTAs This is Raider Nation Radio 920
0: Welcome back back to Unnecessary Roughness Unnecessary Roughness Here on Raider Nation Radio 920 I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today Here's your boy Q
2: Quick text off the Salmon Ash text line at six nine one eight seven from the seven zero seven. The Steelers, Vikings, and Rams all had over fifty sacks. Steelers at fifty five, Vikings at fifty one, Rams fifty. We've been talking a lot about defense so far on the show here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Damon Cotton back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, your boy Q. I'm sitting at the the home studio holding it down after being out at OTAs for the inter, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson. And another young man that was out there is my guy, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, part of Cofield & Company. And Adam, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Last week we had you on following OTAs and uh, our availability to be out there and check things out and I know you don't take a whole lot away from what you see in late May and early June, and as you shouldn't. But uh, what, what, what was your what was your main focus when you were out at OTAs today?
5: Well, first of all, I would say it'd probably be better listening to just let Outcast play instead of me talking. I, that was good. <laughs> got, me, got, got me into it a little bit. Um, my main takeaway was that they moved us even further away. Like last week, they're in the second field. Now they're in the third field. What are we doing? Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, I think everybody, you know, again, just like we talked about last week, a lot of us wanted to see where Alex Laywood was lined up, especially because, you know, what were we told last week? Oh, uh, that's just today. Oh, he was at tackle just today. You know, he's been moving around. Well, today he was at tackle again throughout the day. So uh, I guess he's only at tackle on the days that we're out there and watching, uh, or that's where he's kind of lining up right now, which I think is more the case. So uh, uh, that's what I was looking at. And then obviously just kind of that continued because again you're not gonna to read too much into like what they're doing offensively, defensively. You're just kinda of looking at them lined up and um, you want to see that chemistry continue to build between the quarterbacks and the receivers and the, the tight ends and everyone else. And I think you saw that a little bit crisper on the routes and the you know, the connections between the quarterbacks and the wideouts. Still a couple of drops today, but uh, there was one just really nice play from Carter, uh Devontae Adams down the right sideline that I was uh, you know, over a defender kind of just dropped it in. Great catch. But then there was also a uh, – they tried to end around and there was a little botched uh, handoff between the two. So it's still a long way to the season. Uh, but I think there are some encouraging signs. Just a little bit better pace, a little bit more, you know, a little bit better chemistry maybe as as the guys continue to work together more.
2: Yeah, I agree 100%. I was going to ask you about that pace. I felt like there was a little bit more energy than what we saw last week. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? You mentioned pace. Did you see the, the uptick in the energy as well?
5: Yeah, and I think that's just to be expected, right? I mean, like, I think you can you can read into every little thing that happens and freak out, or you can just say absolutely nothing matters, but I think, um, there's little things you can look at it as you kind of, you know, go through, uh, go through OTAs and as we get closer to training camp and, you know, we'll have mini camp next week where we'll be out here three days in a row, which I think will get an even better idea just because, um, you know, you'll see them three straight days and you'll see how that kind of ramps up a little bit, but, yeah like the the more they're on the field together and this is just the second week really that they've all been on the field together i think you're going to see that little little subtle improvements and uh, i think those what you saw today a little bit you know quicker pace to the drills like they understand what what the coaches want they know alright we go from here to here to here and they kind of uh, you know move a little bit better there so i i think i think you'd like to see that
2: Right, no doubt about it. Again, we're talking with Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, Cofield & Company. As far as what the Raiders have in the salary cap space right now, the 22 million dollars that they may have, what do you think the priority should be with what they do with that money?
5: I mean, I, I definitely think offensive line is still a place where they can work. Okay. Um, they, they, might be, they might be thinking, you know, hey, we invested a ton on offense in the offseason. season um you know maybe you go and uh you know work on some you know some additions on defense i mean you got Chandler jones you got max public of course you, you paid them but there is still you know maybe some investment in linebacker maybe some investment especially in the depths in the secondary like i think there's a little spot you can pick and choose um and then we'll see i think maybe you use some of that cap space to um you know be creative with some of the contracts you already have and some contracts that are coming up i mean Look, Hunter retros out there today talking, and uh, everybody understands there's going to be an extension coming. Uh, maybe you get that done and try to figure out a way. Like, listen, I I don't understand the salary cap enough to know. Like, I've studied it quite a bit, but I don't a- even begin to know at the level that they need to know in front offices. But I know there's ways to be creative about structuring different deals and, you know, moving some money away and saying, all right, well, we got some cash rates. We don't have to spend it on players. We can make sure that, you know, we're not crippled for the next three years by – kind of spreading out a little bit of that money, and I think that might be one of the ways to go as well. Uh, maybe do some of those deals right now, look at what you have, and say, all right, maybe Hunter Redford does a deal where you can, you know, spread out some money here, and um, there's different uh, other guys that are going to want deals, too. So I think that there's definitely possibilities outside of just adding players, and maybe you just want to have some space going into right up into the training camp, and you don't know who's going to become available, or maybe you can make a trade, that sort of thing. Um, I think people see that there's cap space, and they're like, Oh, we need to go sign somebody right now, or they need to go sign somebody right now. No. It, it's good to have a little bit of flexibility going into the season, so I don't think you need to freak out and you know, cash in that cap space right now.
2: Right. I mean, they don't have to use it at all. I mean, it's not something that it's like, well, you have to spend this. I mean, they could just let it sit there for all, you know, all we know, and then, uh, as you mentioned, you know, have a little bit more flexibility going into uh, even next season. Let me ask you this, and I love having you on because, you know, you're not always going to just kind uh, of you know, fall in line with what everyone's thinking. Oh. What, what are your thoughts on Waller? What should they do with Waller and his contract?
5: I don't know, man. I listen, I think it's it's two different there's two different perspectives on this. If I'm the Raiders, like you, and you have to look at it both ways. If I'm the raiders i'm I'm like ignore the calls, ignore everybody ignore the agent texts, the emails, like la de da, I don't know what you're talking about, and let them play the next two years on this contract. I mean, that would be ideal for the Raiders, right? i right. I, I don't think they want to do anything right, so that's that's from their perspective. From Darren Waller's perspective, and I've said this, you know, for months now, I, I don't know why he's here. There's no chance I'd be playing on this contract. Um, and I know you have to, you know, there's certain things you have to show up to certain parts of the offseason in order to not get fined under the new CBA. You can't really hold out, hold out. Right. Um, but I'm making it clear that there is no chance I'm playing on this contract because I wouldn't. And and that's just that's just the reality of the situation. He is dramatically underpaid. He deserves much, much more. And it's, it's a spot where, as a player, there's no chance I'd be doing this. Uh, but I, I think from the Raiders' perspective, they're, at, hey, look, if you don't want to make a big deal and you're not going to be loud and screaming about it, uh, we are just going to let this play out and say, this is awesome. I'll be doing high fives in the front office and saying, hey, he's here. It sounds like he's just going to play on this contract, and we're going to let him do that.
2: Right, exactly. You know, we had a caller yesterday or a tweeter that hit us up and said that, I don't know why anyone would want to go in and, you know, invest extra money. ...because he's older, he was injured last season, uh, you know, all that yada yada. yada, He's under contract for a couple years. Uh, Are are you concerned about the lack of his production uh, since his age is 30, even though it's kind of not that much wear and tear on his tires?
5: No, I think that's that's the key. I mean, he's not not a typical, um, you know... I don't want to say, like, you know, the toll on his body, because obviously, you know, he put himself through some things that took a toll on his body as well. Right. Um, and he's he's talked about that, and we, we know that that's not, you know, breaking any news or anything. Like, it's it's not he doesn't have the football wear and tear on his body, but he does have, you know, some, some wear and tear on him. Um, I, I, I'm i not concerned, because I think he's still playing at an unbelievably high level. Like, yeah, I don't think I'd guarantee him money five years from now. Right, um, I don't think that would happen, but um, this is a team that, has shown that they are all in right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're they're all in. And, you know, I thought that was a little bit maybe questionable when they when they came up with the plan to say, "Hey, we're going to get Chandler Jones, we're going to get Devontae Adams, we're going to, you know, older players who, you know, not at the end of their career, but, you know, maybe the the second half of their prime, uh, at least we'll say that. Uh, they've invested in guys that they think they're going to win right now. So, uh, this is not about, you know, investing in Darren Waller 3, 4, 5 years down the road. It's about making them happy right now and um, you know, if he, again, if I'm them, I'm letting him play on it. But if you're investing in him, you're not doing it for four or five years from now. You're trying to win right now. You're trying to make sure he's under contract, content, and ready to go. And that's what this team's plan has been. There's no doubt that they've said, you know, we're trying to win right now. Which, again, you can question that strategy, but that's what they've shown they're going to do. So uh, they're not really playing the long game right now. They're playing the right now game.
2: Right, exactly. They're looking at their window and realizing that, hey, man, uh, you know, this is going to be what it is. You know, and I think the way they structured the contracts for Carr and Adams, it kind of lets you know what they believe their window is potentially up to maybe three years, and then yeah. maybe have to hit another reset button. Again, we're talking with Adam Hill right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. I was talking about the defense earlier. We had Frank Ocam. Obviously, he was uh, talking to the media. Chandler Jones talked, Nate Hobbs talked, and so I was looking at their turnovers from 2021. Six interceptions and only nine fumbles they were able to recover uh what are you what what do they need to do what do they need to do as far as like creating turnovers how how can they make that an uptick instead of where they're at right now
5: well it's it's interesting because i think the easy answer to that always is how do you generate turnovers you generate pressure you get to the quarterback you make them make quicker decisions you make them fumble you hit them you know you hit guys in the backfield before you know the play is really set up like that's how you do it generating pressure is what leads to turnovers but that's what they did last year. I mean, this team was really, really good at generating pressure, and it didn't really lead to turnovers. Now, a lot of that is system, and um, they were playing a—you know—it's it, not necessarily bend but don't break, but they were—they uh, were a team that you know played solid, good defense for the most part for a lot of the year, but they weren't creating turnovers and weren't creating short fields. That—that that really is um, something that you obviously need to do in the NFL uh, to you know to win some of those close games. So they—they they need to have a more concerted effort to do it. Um, you need to, you know, attack the football when you make tackles and, and that sort of thing. But stay disciplined. I mean, these are obviously basic things, uh, but I think that it, it it will come with. I think the 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 philosophy of the defense being a little bit different. Um, it's pretty clear that they are going to, you know, blitz more. Uh, that that's something they didn't do a whole lot last year, even though they were able to generate pressure up front. If you can send more guys and. You know, covering the secondary long enough to get to the quarterback—that's how you do it, and make them make quick decisions. That—that's how you go about doing this. But again, you say that, and then you look at last year—the amount of pressures they were able to generate, especially from Max Crosby—and they should have been able to create more turnovers last year. It just didn't happen. Uh, those things are also, um, you know, it's—it's a, it's a, a very uh, static statistic, right? I mean, you can—you can—you cre- can create turnovers one year and not do it the next with the same personnel and the same defense. Those things, those things happen. So um, some of it is is, some of it's fluky, uh, but I think other uh, other parts of it were you know they weren't necessarily the most aggressive defense last year, and I think that will change a little bit.
3: Yeah, you mentioned that that's that stats is a little static. You know, it's a little fluky. But do you think that maybe the corners you mentioned being aggressive? I know you said maybe they could just sit tight with that post June first money. But do you think that maybe another veteran corner should come in here because Trayvon Mullen, you know, is not big on creating those turnovers. And I do think that maybe Janoris Jenkins is someone they should bring in. If you had to choose a little bit with that um, first June first mo- post June first money, would you go with a corner?
5: So you, wait, wait, what you're trying to say is you think they should sign Janoris Jenkins? That's just a long way of saying it.
3: Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I tried to add some more words in there so it wasn't 20 seconds. All right. <laughs> I can't just <laughs> no, ask you yes or sense. no, Janoris Jenkins.
5: Uh, yeah. I mean, I, he's not a guy I'm opposed to necessarily. Now, again, like a lot of it is. You know, and, and I'm not. I'm not criticizing you for this. I'm not calling you out specifically. This is just what it's what fans do. It's what media does a lot of times. Like you just look at a name. Oh, that guy's good. Get him. Right. Well, like there's a lot more to it than you know. Hey, that guy's a good player. You know, not not all really good players even fit in every system. And um, who knows what they think of him and um, in terms of how he would fit and what Patrick Graham wants to do. Uh, so I'm not saying no to him. I'm just saying there's a lot more. There's a lot more to deciding who to bring in, especially a veteran, especially at this point in the process, than just hey, this is a guy that's a good player or this is a guy that's played well in the past. Now, I think that would help. I do think a more you know a couple of vet. There's a couple of veteran names out there. I think in the secondary that could be helpful. Uh, that that I think would help. You know, along the same lines of Casey Hayward, not only as a player but as somebody that comes in and you know is that leader in the room. I mean, it's it's not it's impossible to quantify how important Casey Hayward was for this team. Like, he played at a very high level, but he had an influence on everybody. I mean, I think a lot of what Nate Hobbs did, you can credit to, um, you know, how, uh, how Casey Hayward kind of mentored him and brought him along. So uh, I think those guys are necessary to have around. Um, it's just who's the right fit, who's the, who's, who is the guys that are willing to come in and be the mentors. You know, we know a lot of players that say, that's not my job. I don't want to do that. So, you know, what kind of guys do you want to bring in that will be able to do that? I think that's something to look at as well.
2: Right. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And Adam, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you about one more name that Raider Nation is hot and heavy after, and that's Indominus Sue. He's out there. He's available. Again, a name. Uh, He did have six and a half sacks last season, the last couple seasons. only missed a couple games in his career. Uh, What are you thinking about maybe the expectations, or not the expectations, but the thoughts of the Raiders possibly bringing him in?
5: Um yeah, didn't he post the like the fake hybrid Paris but Las Vegas welcome sign?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, last week on the
5: Instagram and got yeah. everybody freaking out. Yep. Um yeah, I saw that. That was uh that was interesting. Um I mean like I like Dominican too, and I think he does fit a a role for this team. I've thought all along he's gonna somehow end up in Tampa Bay again. Um, which okay. would make a ton of sense to me, but it hasn't happened yet. So he's still out there and I I do think it's an intriguing player. It's the kind of player that I think can come in and make a big difference, um, both as, as we just talked about. I think he still has enough left in the tank as a player to be impactful, but I think he's the kind of guy that comes in as, as a real voice, as a real presence on the defense. And, and I think uh, a guy that everybody looks up to in the league, uh, I think he would be a great, a great addition. But I also don't know how much the talks have actually happened. I mean, we've seen a report that they've just had some discussions and they've talked. Uh, it makes sense for a lot of different reasons, I think. Um, but for some reason, I just keep thinking he's going to somehow end up back in Tampa Bay.
2: Well, that would be the rich get richer. You know, after signing Akeem Hicks on a one-year deal, why yeah. wouldn't they, right? Go and get a, yep. a, another dude like Sue. So that will be very interesting. Adam, great stuff as always. Man, what do you got cooking on the RJ that we need to be able to look out for?
5: Uh, should have that uh, Hunter Renfro feature coming up uh, tomorrow. Right, right about that, and his uh, his talks with uh, Devonte Adams about who's if he's ever going to beat him in golf. I like that.
2: Nice. All right. Well, there you go. We'll be on the lookout for that, Adam. Thank you so much, man. We appreciate you not only on our show but all the fine work you do on Cofield and Company and the RJ as well. Appreciate you, my man. Yep. All right. I'll talk to you. Alright brother, there he goes, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, co and company is a part of, and uh, hey man, actually you could th- put him anywhere on the station, he does a great job, you can find him on Twitter, at Adam Hill LVRJ, and with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, 247 is the time, uh, when we come back we'll get to your calls and texts, actually you know what, let's do this real quick Damon. let's look for caller number 9, how about we hook up caller number 9, we're going to send you to go see Jurassic World, that movie premiere is on Tuesday, I'm going to be hosting it, along with demand so we want to see you out there we want to get you out of the heat and get you into the movies and they say this is the last one i'll believe it when i believe it you know when i actually see it it's the last one then so be it but uh call number nine is what i'm looking for right now 702-365-9200 we're going to send you to the movies with raider nation radio 920
1: hey raider nation this is bill romanowski and you're listening to raider nation radio 920
2: boom Welcome back. Welcome back to
0: Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q.
2: Coming up, to start off the next hour, you're going to hear from Raiders cornerback Nate Hobbs. He spoke to the media a little earlier, so we'll have that for you. Uh, also, earlier in the show, we talked to Adam Hill. Matter of fact, in the last segment, we talked to Adam Hill from the RJ and also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. Just talked about the OTAs, talked about the expectations for the Raiders team as they continue to evolve and try to uh, you know, build up the roster. What are they going to do with the extra salary cap space that they have, if anything, because they don't have to do anything. So had a lot of good conversation. You also heard from defensive line coach, Frank Ocam earlier in the show. So, had a lot going on. Got a shout-out to my guy, Juan the Smasher. Got hooked up with a pair of tickets to go to Jurassic World. So, we've got a ton going on in this first hour, and we're going to keep the party rolling. Let's go out to the Rare Nation listener line right now at 702-365-9200. Talk to our guy, Mike, in Kentucky. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man?
1: Q, it's the, the guy from Kentucky. Here we go. Let me tell you. Let's let's, let's, let's get that, that right. It's like the Ohio State. So I got to tell you something. I I don't think that, and I do have a question at the end of this, I don't think that people realize that, John, that that McDaniels, when he was the coordinator for New England, 24% of the time he ran with a fullback. He is going to use Jacob Johnson like the beast that he is, which is going to require the safeties for most of the other teams to close that box, which is going to open it up for our three massively talented uh, offensive threats in, in Renfro and Adams and, uh, and and Waller. So, so we're, we're so rocking already, but there are going to be times, 75% of the time, where we're running with Jacobs back there. We're going to need that fourth threat, that fourth wide receiver. Who is – have you – I know you've only been out there, I believe, to one OT. Have you seen anybody stepping up? Because I'm crying still over losing – You say Jones and then now we lose Brian Edwards. I mean, it's like, who do we, who who is is it? Dylan Stoner? I mean, who is our guy now that is going to fill that, that fourth, you know, the the wide receiver spot? Because I don't know who it, I don't know who it is.
2: I think it's probably going to be Demarcus Robinson or Keelan Cole, to be honest with you. And the reason I say that is right after they signed Keelan Cole, that's when they traded Brian Edwards. He was on the first thing smoking to the ATL right after they signed Cole. So I think it's going to be one of those two, if not a combination of both. Remember, they have Matt Collins as well on the roster, who is the guy who's going to play a special teams role. But he could stretch the field. If you remember, he was the guy that uh, Damon Arnett, he, uh, he he will let – get behind him uh, in that game at Allegiant Stadium when he was playing for the Dolphins at that time when, uh, who was it, Clee No, it was Arden Key. Excuse me. Arden Key grabbed uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, face mask and just about ripped his head off, and uh, they still found a way to complete that pass. That was Matt Collins down the sidelines. So he's another guy. So those three options are, are probably the ones that you're looking at. Hollins, you're looking at, uh, uh, at Robinson, and you're also looking at Keelan Cole. So those, those would be the ones I'd look at. Um, I just think that the ship had sailed on Brian Edwards as far as this regime is concerned. I, I realize where a lot of fans are are pumped up by what Edwards possibly could have been, but I just don't think on film they saw enough from him last year outside of overtime because for some reason in overtime he was able to make things happen. But I just don't think he did it enough consistently throughout the course of the game. But thank you so much for that call. Definitely appreciate you. Let's squeeze one more in real quick. Mitch in New Jersey, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. How you doing, Q, Chilling, from man, brother
6: from another mother. <laughs> brother from another mother. You always squeeze me in the uh, last. Squeeze me in Easterners. Hey, we got a pretty good defense and offense, especially. We'll be too greedy. And I hope they can do it. I don't think the ass price is high. I hear uh, Dominic Sue is still available. Yeah. And it'll be uh, uh, Beckham. It'll be. I don't know. I was going to say. I say his first name? Uh, it'll be, it'll be, <laughs> Odell? Odell. Odell. <laughs> it's me. it's my fault. No, I am so tired of this mask. It feels like I'm wearing a chin guard. Now, now it's high. You got wearing. I was. I've always been wearing. it but At least when I'm by myself in my truck, I can keep this up. It feels like I got a chin guard. It's like restrictive. This, this is where I was going to pot. Uh, I wish you just keep my head in the in, in, in sports world like, like you. But I know you don't. But it's just you know, you don't work. You, you love what you do. I'm okay what I do too. I like it. But I'm almost finished. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Take care.
2: Hey, thank you for the call, man. And I, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I have no idea what you said. <laughs> I have no idea. I know he brought up Odell Beckham Jr., and I know he brought up Economic and Sue, and then he was talking about chin guards and, and stuff like that. Mitch, I love you, brother. I have no Come clue on, what you he said. He
3: talking about, you know, Mitch drives a truck, you know? I know. Yeah, but
2: he's like, I was. Is that uh,
3: work? You know, like, you got to wear the mask. He's like, why can't I just wear it when I'm. I got you, Mitch.
2: He was wear- so he was wearing a, a mask, like a, a mask, like, you, you know, like COVID mask? Yeah, that's why you couldn't
3: understand them properly, right? Oh, there,
2: okay, my bad. I was hey, look, that's what you're here for. That's what I keep you around for, man, to 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 break it down. Because I'll tell you right now, I ain't the only swinging D that was wondering what the hell is Mitch talking about. I guarantee I wasn't the only one. Two fifty eight is the time. Come back. We'll take some of your calls. We'll get some of your texts. Got plenty of texts on the Salmon Ash text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. This is Red Nation Radio nine twenty.